Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, it's Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And today we're going to get into a really deep, sensitive topic. You know, obviously we have a lot of fun. We're creating, we're putting stuff out there, all of us. Um, but at the same time, we have to talk about identity theft and cybersecurity and just generally this idea of being safe. So uh, I recently connected with with Dana and we're going to get into this this topic here. Funny enough, as I was kind of setting this whole podcast up, my my son had walked in the room, my six-year-old son. And he said, hey, he was kind of freaked out. He said, hey, I just saw this call came in on the iPad and I didn't know what to do. And he hung up and he just kind of scrambled in here. And, you know, kids feel it. Kids feel it just as we do in terms of security and feeling safe. And, you know, when we don't know things, typically, you know, we go to a place of uh, fear or fight, flight, things like this. So I think it's just better that we become more educated on identity theft. And we have we have an expert uh, to talk to us about it. So she's uh, she's. She went to Babson College. Um, you have a certification from Harvard University. You are now the founder of Identity Protection Planning. Dana, let's get into this. What's going on out there? Oh, boy. There's a lot going on out there. Some Lots of stuff we don't want to even know about. We could stick our head in the sand. But we really do need to start you know, becoming more aware of uh, what we're posting out there, what our kids are posting out there, what we're sharing and all that stuff. And, you know, kids, they post every single thing about themselves. And that's something we really need to start having conversations with them at a young age so that they kind of know from the very beginning, because when you don't say anything, and then all of a sudden you go up to your, you know, 14, 15 year old kid, and you're like, yeah, you're really, let's stop. You got to stop posting all this stuff. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Like what? My whole life is already out there. Don't you? You're well, that'll me. make them actually post more stuff. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. The rebellion factor. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like there's a couple of things that we need to get into here. Number one is we got to talk about probably passwords. Uh, you know, don't use, let's not use password one, two, three, four for all of our things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number two is the idea of social security numbers. And you said to me before we started this, something just polarizing about how social the algorithm behind social security numbers so i want to get into that and then the next thing i think is you know children and kids just general protection over our kids um wherever you'd like to start please educate us and keep us safe all right where to start um well maybe we'll start with the kiddos so Child identity theft is the fastest growing segment of identity theft in this country and identity theft is the fastest growing crime that there is so it's it's a big deal. Now, it's wow. very easy, too, for an identity thief to steal a child's social security number and then create a synthetic identity. And what they do is they get their hands on a real social security number. Then they will apply for a credit card with the, that real social security number, a fake name and a fake date of birth. It'll go off to the credit bureau and the credit bureau will say, we don't have anything associated with this name and this social security number. So they, it goes back to the bank or the credit card company and the credit card company rejects it. So then the identity thief does it again and with the same information a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, and then it'll come up and the credit bureau will say, well, we don't have any credit history, but we do see that a credit file was started back, you know, when the first time it got rejected. So the credit card company says, you know, we'll give you a little, little, like $300 a month 
a limit on your credit card, but we'll give it to you. And boom, that social security number is now associated with that identity fee for the, that synthetic identity. It's no longer that child's social security number. So this person can get a job, they can rent an apartment, they can build and build and build on this credit for years and years and then just dump it one day. And then chances are, you're not gonna find out until that poor child, maybe applying for a college loan or something. And then that's when the whole mess gets uncovered. So it's really kind of a very serious thing. Now, I remember uh, the the CEO of LifeLock years and years ago decided to publish his uh, social security number on the internet as part of the campaign. And his whole thing was, here's my social security number. It was prominently in the advertisements. And then um, that was the way that he could show how, how strong his, his uh, tech was and his overall platform. And I know that it didn't work out well for him. I think he mm-hmm. got hacked a number of times. Do you, do you know that story and you know what what happened there? I remember that a little bit. And, and I think what happened was the first thing that somebody got was like a payday loan um, on, on his social security number, probably because there was no verification. They just ran it. But uh, I don't know. But I, you can't guarantee that someone's not going to become a victim of identity theft. And I think, unfortunately, what he was trying to do was kind of try to get the message across that, you know, they'll safeguard it. You know, similar to our product where we'll, we'll monitor it, check, you know, the credit bureaus, check the dark web and all that kind of stuff. But with these data breaches that are happening every single day, um, there's no way to really guarantee that someone's not going to become a victim. But at least as soon as you, because you know right away if something is uh, happening, then at least you can address it then as opposed to not knowing. And then a lot of people find out that something's happening when they go to buy a car or they're trying to buy a house and they're sitting down with the mortgage person or the financing director and they're like, ooh, what's this on here? And you're like, oh, I didn't even know what that is. And that's not not when you want to start having to deal with cleaning it up. Well, I mean, that's, isn't that the scariest, scariest part of it where, you know, all of this stuff is happening multiple layers, you know, behind and beneath us. It's not something that we're accessing on a daily basis. There's no, you know, most of us, the vast majority of us don't have some sort of an app where we can just kind of check in on the activity that's taking place for our social security number and our credit. Um, it happens just like you said, when we go to lease that car, when we go to rent something, when we go to buy something and all of a sudden it's like, what the heck is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I've been in that situation and I've gone through that process and you know, I, I actually remember a long time ago, I had to do it very, in a very manual format, which took a lot of time, but I had to write letters to the, the credit bureaus, the three top ones. And then ultimately I got everything kind of removed. Um, but I realized at that point was that, you know, we're, we're very vulnerable, you know, so mm-hmm. what, what can we do to kind of protect ourselves? Well, I mean, the best thing to do would be to sign up with a company you know, like ours, which is going to monitor everything. But if you're not ready to do something like that, you can um, you're allowed to run your credit for free one time per year with each of the big three credit bureaus. So if you kind of space it around, you know, so maybe every few months you're running it with one of them, you'll be able to see what's happening with your credit and make sure it's all the stuff that you've done with your credit and not somebody else. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, freezing your credit or definitely your children's credit. That's something that I think everybody should do because nobody really needs to have their child's social security number active for anything. So why not just freeze it? So, so why don't more people do that? Why don't more people just freeze their credit until they're going to go lease that car or buy that house? Well, I, I just think a lot of people are busy. Nobody's really thinking about this stuff. And I think the whole idea of, oh, that's never going to happen to me um, is still really kind of out there. I think over the next three to five years, we're all going to really start to learn about, mm, you know, I think I need to do something to make sure I'm paying attention a little bit more. But right now, it's just it's just not there. It's not until something does happen and then people will you know do whatever they can to do to clean it up and throw as much money as, as, as they can. But 
Um, right now, there's not a lot of attention. That's what I'm trying to do is trying to create awareness with identity theft and cyber crimes that this stuff is really happening out there. And I can't tell you how many times when I post my videos and people comment, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, thank you for letting me know that. And they're sharing with me and that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a lot of education still needed. And then, so how can people freeze their credit? Is there a website? Where do we go to, to do something like that? Yeah, there's two different ways. Adults you can do online, but the children, is there's a little bit of a manual um, part of it. If you go to our website, identityprotectionplanning.com, there's two, two different tabs under resources, one's for adults and one's for kids. And it just walks you through exactly what you need to do to um, get to get that done. That, that's awesome. Okay, so I'll put a, I'll put a link here. And I think that uh, you mentioned it's in the, in the resources section. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's very cool. I think that's really important that people go educate themselves. I'm going to definitely do that right after this, just because I think we all need to know that. Mm -hmm. um, and then what if, what are, what are some of the things that you've learned along the way? I mean, what are the, so, not to sensationalize this, but sometimes, you know, we have to tell some of our, our, our best stories or frankly, our scariest stories just to get people to actually tune in, to take this seriously. Um, what are some of the sort of devastating things that you've dealt with and ultimately, you know, help people with? Oh, such a wide variety of things. Um, I guess a good one would be to talk about the senior citizens. They get taken advantage of a lot. I think they're the only people that are still answering the phone these days and they'll get scammers calling them. And while they're on the phone, they're having them log into their um, accounts and then they're saying they need to move money or they're, they're giving them a cost of living adjustment. And so they need to ad deposit additional funds. And meanwhile, they're, you know, clearing out their savings account. So that's a, a startling one. Um, I think also the online dating, I've done a couple of videos on this that, you know, people, I know this sounds so silly, but you need to meet the person. You need to actually have a face-to-face, -face, sit down, have a coffee at least once, because what happens is they start and it's just texting back and forth. And, and then, you know, it's, it's someone to like, how, how's your day going? And then that communication gets going and then real feelings start developing. And then the person says, hey, can you help me out and just lend me a little bit of money? I'll give it right back to you, I promise. And the person's like, oh, of course, because I love you. I'll give you some money. And the whole thing is a scam. And then they send the money and then whoop, the person is, you know, nowhere to be found. Got it. So, but I mean, how can we do that in, in today's climate? Uh, meet, meeting people <laughs> at a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, at least do a FaceTime. I mean, you should at least be able to see the person, do something, you know, um, where you can, you know, lay eyes on them, make sure they're not, you know, in prison somewhere or <laughs> in some other country. They're just in the, in the library and at, at jail, you know, they're just doing right. this. this. Um, wow. So let me ask you this. So do you know if the, if the dating sites have, uh, have actually, built some technology and a sort of an experience about this if there's certain words that are used like lending or money or borrow <laughs> is there anything like that or i i'm not aware of, of anything like that that's on there i think it's kind of every man for himself and you know good yeah. luck wow okay that's crazy yeah. so you mentioned there was something else that you mentioned that was really interesting to me which is how social security numbers are developed so I think what we're in the use, the, the common practice now is that we just give the last four digits of our social security number. And that's how we kind of verify our identity. And it's sort of, I don't want to call it a public number, but it's something that we definitely use publicly to people. Mm -hmm. um, and then you mentioned something that, that kind of was jarring to me. Could you explain me that, how what the algorithm is behind the number? Sure, yeah. So the breakdown of the social security number is pretty easy to actually um, understand and 
hack into. So the first three are based on the exact location of where that social security number was applied for, which is typically the mom or the dad when the baby's born. And um, you can tell the exact location, right? So you got the age and the location of the person. Boop, you can figure out the first three. You can actually Google this information. It's really scary. The second two was um, used because back in 1936, they didn't have computers, obviously. So they had a filing system. So that was really used to help file within that area um, so that they knew which filing cabinet and where, you know, which building it would be stored in. So the only random part of the whole social security number is the last four. So each, let's say hospital or area would be given a couple of different sequences. And that's the only random part of the whole number. And that's what we give everybody. I don't know how this got started that we give everybody the last four of your social security number, but that's the most, the most um, sacred part of it. So we really shouldn't be doing that. So that's, um, something we should always be a little bit. And I have a feeling that's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did change it. I think it was back in 2011 that the um, uh, social security numbers are, are random. So it's not, it's just for people that are older like us or anybody born before then. Um, but that's got its own issues too. I'm not that savvy on what the new issues are with that, but it's almost like you could just make up a number, a random number. And then, because there's no association with the government and the credit bureaus verifying that these numbers are, you know, what they are. So let's say somebody makes up a number and it actually is somebody's real social security number. Again, down the road, when that person goes to try to do something with their social security number, when they turn into an adult, that's when the, the problem's going to get found out and discovered. Got it. Now, can we, should we change our social security number if we feel like we've ever been a victim of something? Is that... You know, it's like you change your password. Yeah, that's really hard to do to change your social security number. Um, and they don't really like doing that. So, you know, it's 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 a mess if you do become a victim to one of these things. You have to contact the credit bureaus. Um, you have to contact the social security de department. Um, there's all kinds of agencies you, you need to, to let know, but they're not really too keen on giving people new social security numbers. So that's probably not going to not going to happen. Okay, I, I bet you if they did, there'd be a lot of people that were just looking to get vanity social security numbers. You know, the last <laughs> L O V E are the last four of my social. Oh, that'd be funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then uh, you know passwords. I think you mentioned that as well. Uh, you know, let's not use password one two three four as all of our passwords. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I use a service uh, that actually stores passwords, which which I'm a huge proponent of those. There's actually a couple mm -hmm. of those. There's there's Dashlane. There's mm -hmm. one pass, there's last pass. So everyone should check one of those out. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's maybe some criticism on those that some of the data is stored in the cloud, but you know, if you have multi-factor authentication, you know, maybe there's more layers of security. Can you speak to about to me about that in terms of how we should best manage our passwords? Well, just to really, before we get into the password manager, so pa this is what's happening with passwords. So let's okay. just take, for example, a little data breach like Grubhub, okay? You're like, oh, well, it's just a food delivery service. Who really cares? Not a big deal. So the username, your email address, and your password is what was taken there. So chances are a lot of people use the same email address as their username for a lot of their accounts, and they use the same password. So just because the Grubhub button got hacked and somebody has that information, they can then go to Bank of America, Facebook, LinkedIn. They can go and try this out you know, in many, many different places and maybe get in. And then the first thing they do when they get in is they change the password. So now you can't get into the system. And that's why I'm always saying to people that they should have different 
um, passwords for different accounts. And I'm even suggesting now, because we have all used the same email forever and ever, given it to every 18-year-old store clerk that's ever asked for, right? So maybe if we all get a new, nice, fresh one, and we only use that one for our online banking or online accounts, and it's not one that you ever give out to anybody, at least there's a little bit better chance that it's not going to be one of the ones that's already been involved in a, da- in a data breach, which you can go and look to, to the website. I always say this wrong. Have I been pooned? It's have I, P-W-E-N-D or something like that. But anyway, okay. you put your email in and it will... Um, tell you if it's been involved in data breach and how many data well, breaches. How do they know that? Because it's, it's, it's in itself a big, huge database of all these things. It's a good website. But, but my question for see what I always get nervous about with using these, these services is that by putting my email address into this, uh, <laughs> am I, am I making myself more, more vulnerable? Uh, I don't think I don't think necessarily in that one because we've already given it out to everybody anyway. I mean, how many times have you been, you know, at the malls? Can we have your email address? Can we have your email address? I mean, it's you don't want to argue, so you just give it to them. Wow. Okay, got it. So that that's an interesting resource. So I'll kind of I'll share that URL as well. Um, okay. Now you mentioned you know a lot of people use the same password for all of their um, you know accounts. Um, what percentage would you say if you were to just guesstimate? Uh, the number of people that do that use the same password for for all their accounts or maybe have like one or two different passwords depending on if it's security i would say most people yeah i I was thinking that (laughs) i was thinking that i was thinking the vast majority of people probably use the same password Mm -hmm. and uh and why why is why is that so acceptable and so ubiquitous Uh, almost as not wearing seat belts was um 20 years ago why is that? What, what went wrong? What's the failure here? Well, I think it's, you know, I think everybody's fear is I'm not going to remember the new one. That's so that's the first thing. So it's OK. What am I going to do? I've had this one forever and ever and ever. I'm not going to remember the new one. So I don't want to have to get a new one. And, and then just I'm to keep the analogy up, the seatbelt would be I'm going to be uncomfortable if I put my seatbelt on. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's probably what it is. It's just it's, you know, we're always path of least resistance people. It's just like when you go to sign up for an app, right? And it says, this app needs permission to basically your entire life, your photos, your contacts, yeah. every single thing that's in your, your, you know, your phone, you know, and maybe sometimes you stop and you're like, oh, I don't really want to give them access to this. And then we say, yeah, but I really want the app. So oops, mm-hmm. caution to the wind, let's get the app. You know, that's what happens. We don't want to, we don't want to think about security. We don't want it to, we don't want to know that it's going to affect us. Right. I mean, I, I think that there's such a massive opportunity to, uh, to make a movement around this, you know, especially, especially now when security is so important. I mean, you mentioned at the stat that identity theft is the largest growing crime. And then a subset of that, which is for children. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just terrible information that we all mm-hmm. you know, need to know about, but I feel like it, this is a massive opportunity for a movement to have better password management, you know? I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised that I haven't seen something like this from one of the password companies, mm-hmm. companies where they actually make it a thing. Um, but, you know, maybe in this conversation, um, you know, we're going to do that right here, right now. So um, what is the hashtag for, you know, change your pass? Uh, I, I don't know, but we need to, I think we need to be smarter and we need to have a yeah. different password for every platform. I think mm-hmm. we can all agree on that. Um, now you mentioned the biggest pain point um, with passwords is remembering them and managing them. And that's exactly why a, most people don't do it. And B why the software platforms exist out there. 
so do you are there any algorithms that you might recommend that we can maybe start to use to to have a different password for each platform like some sort of a mnemonic device or some sort of a way to make it be different but then still not forget it well you could let's just say you come up with something let's say it's a phrase and then it's for your linkedin account so you use you could use that same phrase and then just at the end of it put linkedin and then you could use that phrase and then at the end of it put you know bank of america or boa you know something along those lines so it's the phrase is, is what you're going to remember and then you just have to know okay i'm going into linkedin it's going to be that or you know oh it's, it's going to be my my checking account you know whatever it is pay my credit card you know that kind of thing that's that's one idea um you know or get one of the you know password managers that either sit on the device itself so it's not storing the information in the cloud but all that stuff is encrypted anyway so even if somebody was able to get in there i don't think they would really would have access to, to uh, very much that would be intelligent, you know? Got it. No, yeah. Now, um, I think it's important that we also talk about credit monitoring. So um, I know that there has been some, some innovation around this where we can sort of manage um, credit card charges. You know, I think a lot of the banks and the credit card companies now use text notifications. If something funny happened over a certain number that you can get a text and just get a real-time data on that. I noticed also in some accounts, some online credit card accounts, you can set a limit. Like if there's some charge over a hundred bucks, then you'll get some sort of notification or sometimes you even have to approve it um, over your phone or SMS. Um, what uh, what would you say the, the biggest changes are, the things that we need to know about, uh, generally speaking around credit monitoring? Well, I do think you're right. Everybody's kind of getting in the game a little bit, you know, and as that anything is better than nothing. Right. So if they're helping us with, you know, set alerts or whatever the case may be, um, you know, the main reason why the credit card company is doing that. I just want to touch on this real quick is because I always tell people they should use their credit card instead of their debit card if, if they can, because the credit card is the credit card company's money. And then you owe that to them. When money comes out of your debit card, it's coming directly out of your account. And if you don't catch that quickly and a certain number of days goes by, you're not going to get that money back. And not everybody checks their um, the details of their account every single day or week or whatever it is. So everybody should check with their bank to find out what the policy is because all the banks are, are different. But there's um, some guidelines that I think is after, I don't remember what it is specifically, but if obviously if you report it that, that your card is missing within a certain amount of days and nothing's happened, there's no charge, there's no nothing, right? But if a, let's say five days has gone by, it goes down to like 50% and then 30 days it goes down to like 25% that they'll reimburse you. And then I think after 60 days, it's, you know, SOL, they're, they're, you're not getting any of it back. So that's why the credit card companies are getting involved with this because they know it's their money and they're going to be the ones that are on the, on the hook for it. Well, that makes, that makes total sense because the fees that we pay for credit cards and using them and the points that we get in that whole ecosystem, you know, a chunk of that gets used for fraud, you know, and that's why they sort of cover it. So that, that makes total sense. You yeah. Know? Um, what I'm not sure if I answered the question. I think we kind of went off, off track, but sorry. No, no, that was, that was really good. So, so let me ask you this. So what would you say? So let's use credit cards over, over debit cards. That makes sense. You know, um, uh, what, what else can we sort of do to kind of protect ourselves with credit monitoring? I mean, how can we be more proactive here? 
Well, I mean, the best thing to do is, like I had mentioned earlier, is to sign up for a service. Like, you know, our, our identity protection plan, it monitors your credit, all the credit activity with the big three credit bureaus. It also monitors your social security um, activity, number activity with, there's about 130 other credit reporting agencies. And some of the identity thieves know this. So they make sure that they work out of the radar of the big three credit bureaus. And they only do business with, with some of those smaller ones, like getting cell phones or renting an apartment, a background check. They can they can get away with with uh, the credit bureaus not detecting that. So our product has the you know monitoring of those um, activities as well, and also it has a million dollar insurance policy. So if you do become a victim, you're gonna you have to be a final financial restoration. And the restoration center is the the nice people that you can call that are gonna actually help you, and they know what they're talking about because when something does happen, that's the most frightening thing is you don't even know who do I call, what do I do, you know something's happened. So. That's, that's probably the best thing that they could do. And, and if they're not going to do the monitoring, at least take advantage of, like I had mentioned, running their credit uh, a few times a year for free just to scan what's going on. Got it. And, uh, you mentioned that there are, there are you said hundreds of, of credit bureaus. Is that what you said? Smaller, yeah, smaller credit reporting agencies. Mm -hmm. I, I never knew that. I thought that there was the three ones. I thought there were, what is it, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. I thought that the, that was it. Yeah, no. But there's this whole other larger ecosystem. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really, really informative. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's it gives me a lot of pause because my understanding is that when I go pull my credit and some, some you know, there's those free credit report uh, sites, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I, anytime something free and I'm putting know, my yeah. information in, I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I guess I'm the product here. Yeah. My you data are. that they're going to sell. So speak to me about that a little bit. Do you recommend those or should we not use those? I don't know. I agree with you 100%. Anytime, it doesn't really matter what it is. Whenever somebody's giving you something for free, it's, you know, because the data, I mean, like, let, let's look at Facebook. You know, we all signed up for Facebook because this was going to be so much fun. And of course it is a lot of fun or whatever, but it was all free. And it's all the data that they gathered on everybody. So, and that's obviously just one example. Um, but uh, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. I, I don't, I don't like things. Doing those. Yeah, fair enough. And then talk to me a little bit more about um, you know what your company provides and sort of the services or products that you guys have. So the identity theft products that we have, protection products, are the monitoring, the credit monitoring, dark web scans for personal information. Uh, we have a family plan that you can protect in addition to the adult. You can protect up to four minor children's um, social security number that for dark web scans and then they each have a million dollar insurance policy with them so that's very helpful um and again that's just for when somebody's really ready to say okay i know i need to start paying attention to this and having it like it's almost like set it and forget it you know somebody else is watching out for it as opposed to you, know, you having to watch out for it you know i like to say like if, if a woman if i went and i left my purse somewhere in the middle of new york city you know is anyone going to take it i don't know because i'm not watching it i don't even know did anyone take it is it still there? I don't know. So it's just, you know, somebody watching it like, oh, yep, somebody picked it up here. We have a problem. Wow. And uh, what is what is the fee for like a family plan like that? Um, it's about $24 a month for the family plan. Got it. Well, I'm I'm really interested. <laughs> I know. And I feel like I'm the Grim Reaper whenever I'm talking to people. And I don't mean to be like that. I just really want to make sure that they know that there's, you know, these are little situations that are happening out there. I'm really glad you mentioned that because... You know, I don't really respond to fear, like from that perspective, I, I respond to opportunity and I kind of respond to um, value, you know, and I think what's really interesting about what you're presenting is that, first of all, I don't know a lot of the things uh, within this realm and within this world, and I want to just personally become more educated on it. 
Um, but I also think that it's if you have gone through the motions in your career and you've built this company that's providing this service that's obviously can help so many people, you know, I just instantly see the value in that, you know. So and plus, you know, I really respond to your um, your sort of format of education first, value first. That's how we connected. You know, I saw some content that you had posted. And just a shout out to you for, um, you know, contributing your time and to educating us on on these topics, because I think it's really important and more people need to do about it. Well, thank you. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy doing it, too. And and I do I do feel like I'm helping people with some of the responses that they, they give me. And, you know, people will contact me if they're having a situation with, you know, their um, some somebody, their father was uh, was buying a car and all this stuff was popping up. And unfortunately, sometimes this happens with relatives that are taking advantage of of other people. So that's uh, it's sometimes people, you know, so that's unfortunate. Got it. And, um, you know, speaking of, of, of families, you know, one of the things that a lot of people do is they put, um, and I think there's a lot of controversy about this and I don't know where it truly stands, but, you know, we put photos, we put videos of our family on the internet. You know, I think that uh, people have to do their own research to figure out, you know, is the metadata in those photos and videos, can that be downloaded? Can that be grabbed by, you know, fraudsters, by bad actors? You know, um, I sure hope that Facebook has done a much better job in hiding some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but this really is beyond Facebook. I mean, it's all the major social networks. Anytime you do a photo or video, I know that one of the tricks that people do if they if they want to avoid stuff like that, it's some sort of a screenshot where you, you have your video and then you do a screenshot. But then doesn't the screenshot also have the metadata of like your location, i.e. your, think, yeah. your geo, mm -hmm. XY coordinates? <laughs> So mm -hmm. I think people just need to do their own research on that to figure out like what's safe and what's not safe and what the what the best practice is. I also think that it's really important, um, me included, to just go through our social networks and to and to comb through the privacy yeah. settings and to do our research and to figure out what's right for us. You know, mm -hmm. absolutely. And and again, getting the conversation started with the kids because you know, especially I always talk about young girls. I have young girls, and you know, some of their friends, what they're posting on you know, all these different websites. I'm like, oh my goodness, please put some clothes on. You know, they think that it's funny and you know, whatever. It's not funny and it's there forever. And that's the thing. And then they get indexed by Google and then, you know, you're applying for a job and, you know, someone's, of course, the employer is going to look you up and that's what's coming up on Google Images. So that's, uh, you know, the party girl is not such a great thing that uh, <laughs> want to be more drained. Or the party fun. boy. <laughs> yeah, or the party boy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's funny Googling yourself sometimes. You know, every once in a while I'll have to do that and just see what's kind of out there. And I think one of the things that I've realized is that if I don't like the stuff, if I'm not proud of it or if it's something that's old on Google, um, I, I just it makes me want to actually create more content mm -hmm. and just put more stuff out there just because I know that I'll sort of sink down. And there's a lot of the stuff I've, I, that you'll find about me. It's it's so funny how Google works. It's something that I did like six years ago. And I'm like, that was cool. And I and I was proud of it back then. But that does I'm, I'm so much different from that now. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, I, I sort of make it an effort to actually put more stuff on the Internet instead of less. <laughs> Um, but that's, you know, that's the, the, the life of a, of a creator, which you are and I am and all of us are that, uh, that put stuff on the Internet. So um, but uh, thank you so much for your time. This was this is really educational. And uh, uh, tell us once again where we can check out your website. So the, the identity theft protection plans can be found at identron.com. Okay. And the website, our company website is identityprotectionplanning.com. And that's where you can go to check out um, the freezing of the kids and the adults credit. 
Awesome. And then if there's any kind of special programs or anything special, let me know after this and you, you can you can put a link in there or something um, or resource. I know that there's a resource page on your website, so I intend to put that um, on this post as well. Okay. Um, but thank you so much for your time, Dana. And this was fun. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Stay safe.